what is it really that we we believe in right uh, many times then we we when we talk about faith then we think about a religious faith right but uh, with uh, same practice one important uh, point is that you really believe in this point to really return to this point and have faith in that. Knud Rosenmeier, Gina Popesenim, traveled to Asia when he was 20 and first experienced Zen meditation in Korea. The next year, he met Zen master Sungsan and began to deepen his meditation practice in the Quantum School of Zen. After returning to Europe, he practiced in other Zen traditions, but in 1999, he became the group leader of the Viennese Quantum Zen School. From 2013 to 2016, he was the abbot of the Vienna Zen Center. In 2016, he received Inca, or permission to teach, from Zen master Ji Kuang in Wubangsa, Poland. Today, he serves as the guiding teacher of the Vienna Zen Center and has been very active teaching in Hungary, Spain, Poland, and with the online Sangha. You are listening to Sit, Breathe, Bow, a podcast for practitioners. Each week, leading Buddhist teachers share life experiences and insights to help guide your meditation practice as well as your life off of the cushion. I'm your host, Ian White-Marr. This podcast is sponsored by the Quantum Online Sangha, a virtual Zen practice community of the International Quantum School of Zen. Members of the Online Sangha meditate together, study with teachers, and participate in workshops and courses to develop their practice. Listeners of this podcast are invited to try a free month of training, which includes live Q&A interviews with Zen teachers, discounts on webinars and online classes, and access to a private community where students can discuss their practice and receive guidance. To access your free month of training, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free trial membership button on the homepage. Knud, there's this story in your Inca speech, which I really loved and, and I identified with. And um, I, it's just such a, a really important story, I think, for people at this time. And I'm wondering if we can start where, you know, I just would like to read the, the story back to you because it's been a few years, but. Sure. So there's a man hanging on the edge of a cliff in the mountains, and under him is this abyss. And he knows if he like lets go, he's going to die. And so he cries out, God, God, are you there? And then nothing happens. And then, God, are you there? Please help me. And then suddenly a voice appears, yes. Oh, God, wonderful. <laughs> Please help me. And then the voice says, let go. And then the man responds, is anyone else there? <laughs> and I just loved this story. Um, and, and But I, I also wondered if you could tell us why you decided to put that in your Inca speech. Mm. Yeah, I also, uh, I like this story. When I first uh, saw that story, 
you know, um, and that was uh, on YouTube. Uh, uh, and uh, then, then uh, of course, it's it's funny. Uh, when, when t- uh, but it, it kind of like it resonates with uh, so many situations, uh, basically with our world situation at the moment, because we we're all hanging on that cliff, right? And there is the abyss uh, beneath, but we don't want to let go. Well, people like for millennia are telling us, let go, let go, let go. But we don't, we don't like that. We don't like that teaching. So we always like to cling and, and hold on to something. Whatever, you know, it maybe want this opinion or that opinion, uh, maybe a good, uh, a good uh, situation, a good body situation or a bad body situation. Uh, so there, there, there is so many uh, things we cling to, but we just don't like to let go. And I think it's what's so funny about the, the story is i guess you know implied i guess is is this idea that if you let go you know god is going to catch the guy or you know something like that or you know it's going to be okay and there seems to be a a lack of faith even though like here's the guy with nothing left begging you know to god for help you so you would think this person had faith or something and then when I think about the Zen practice as well, with the idea of faith, like how does that appear for you as a student, but also you as a teacher trying to guide other students? So faith um, is, an, is an important point in Zen practice, right? So what is it really that we uh we believe in, right? Uh, so uh, faith. Uh, many times, then we we when we talk about faith, then we think about uh, religious faith, right? But uh, with uh, Zen practice, one important uh, point is that you really believe in this point to really return to this point and have faith in that like uh like and that's the same point with uh, with the man hanging on that cliff right because when you really return to that point that means you let go that means complete having complete faith but, and that is not like sometimes where we we have that feeling um, that yeah yeah I can I can let go I can let go a little maybe maybe fifty percent <laughs> or or I, I can I can let go uh, I'm I'm more advanced right I can do seventy percent but to really let go it means one hundred percent not even ninety nine dot nine 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 really let go. And that then that means really immersing in that moment. Then also, then when when 
then there is no, you know, no uh, differentiation between you and the moment. No, there is no moment actually, and no you. So and then, then we can start helping actually. Yeah, I think in my own life, when I think about this, you know, letting go, I think so often <laughs> it's it's predicated on me deciding what I want to let go, how I want to let go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I'm still trying to control the, the letting go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I think this is like for all or most of, of human beings, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's the case, right? We're, because we want to be in control. Yeah. Even of the surrender. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the, the reason I love this story also, not just for where we are in the world, like, I mean, we've been in lockdown or some version of it now for 10 months, which is not what most people, <laughs> we're, we're planning for 2020. Uh, and so we've had to let go. We, I mean, it's been forced on us. And you see people either fighting it or dealing with it. But, Mm. you know, there's kind of a malaise that I'm noticing, like an exhaustion that people are feeling. And I'm wondering what Zen has to say to us, Mm -hmm. you know, as we're going through this very tough thing, this great separation that we're feeling. And even if it's just not just the loss of choice, like I can't fly to Austria and hang out with you like that. But I like it's not it's even like I can't go to the grocery store without a mask on. So how does how does Zen help us in this? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you just put the mask on, go to the grocery store. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's up to you, right? What mm-hmm. you make out of out of it. You can make, right? We we constantly make Things you can make something uh, with Zen practice, so maybe it brings you uh, some some more calmness, uh, quiets you down, it lowers the heart rate, and so on. Right, makes you more healthy, and uh, you know the list can go on and on and on. And you may then have the feeling, ah, oh, I don't have so much of an obstacle uh, to do this or that. Or you may experience that you you don't hold so much on your uh, opinion and all this, but we're still in that realm of making, mm-hmm. right? Of painting some legs on a snake, or building uh, a horn on a rabbit, and you know, and then then. Uh, it's still an addition. If you take another step, like really letting go, that means you put on the mask, you go to the grocery store. I guess I was thinking about this as well, because, you know, you tell the story of, of hiking in the, in the Himalaya with your family and your dad uh, getting altitude sickness. Yeah. And... Um, you know, at some point you and your wife are hiking down with your dad 
and all of a sudden you see him breathing in a way that's not normal that caused fear to arise. Yeah. And I think what you said was just being with that fear 100% was okay. Or, you know, I'm not sure if that's actually what you meant when you said that, but I, I don't know if you could say anything to that effect. Cause that also feels like, a, okay, this is what's happening. Let's let go of the cliff edge or, you know, I don't you know if there's a similar. It's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so when fear arises uh, strongly and that, in that moment, uh, yeah, fear, uh, fear was strong. And then uh, we, 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 uh, like almost automatically, it seems we click and to a certain pattern. And I noticed that time when, when I saw, saw my dad lying on, on the, the edge of that stream, uh, and breathing heavily that I started this pattern of doing the mantra. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, and then, then, uh, Noticing that, that, that it is like a pattern that came up and it's not really letting go in that moment. Mm-hmm. So uh, I let go of that. Wait, can I pause you just for a second? Did you mean you let go of the mantra? Yes. Or? Of doing that, uh, that mantra, like that, the kind of like habitual way of of responding to a situation. Uh-huh. And, and then I paused, I paused, I let go of that mantra practice in that moment. I was just there. And then, then uh, we started helping him. Uh, eventually, it's like to a later point, mantra came up again. But uh, what I was trying to point at is that we are uh, very often following that habitual way of thinking and uh, then also doing. In that case, it was mantra practice. But, you know, you, you can exchange it to anything else. If, you know, if somebody is a chain smoker, he would, you know, take, take another cigarette, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that mantra is your chain smoking. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's such an interesting idea in the sense that I, th- I think it could be interpreted as we do all of this practice so that when a tough situation arises, the practice just appears or something like that. So, how wonderful that the mantra just appeared as a way to ground you in that moment when your father is ill and breathing very heavily in a place where there's no way to get him help, which, you know, obviously quite frightening. So on one level, I I would have thought that, oh, how wonderful that the mantra just naturally appeared. But you're kind of saying, oh, it's actually even more than that. Like, the mantra was just a habit trying to keep me calm rather than keep me in the moment. 
Right. Yeah. In that case, it was a bit like a running away from that very moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that the mantra, it's you know the the practice. Uh, as I said, afterwards it came also again, and and then it, it is fine. It, but in that very moment, I could notice that it's like an habitual thing coming up from that moment that's driving you away from that moment rather than being with it. And then first, you know, returning to that point and then it, it can actually help. And if there is no other option, then of course, mantra is a very good thing. But first point is, is really coming back to that moment, letting go of that cliff. Right. Yeah. Now, this summer we got some, or, you know, we, <laughs> here I am inviting, inviting myself into your story. Uh, you got some news. You know, you were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, mm -hmm. which is not one of the easy cancers. Yeah. And I'm curious about how this situation with your, you know, that you refer to it as your body situation, which is so interesting. <laughs> I love, I love it when you say that your body situation and how that's changed your teaching, if at all, or how has it reflected your 20 years of practice that you've been in? I feel like so many times we, you know, we think we're hanging on a cliff edge and it's really, you know, <laughs> it's a somewhat small cliff. <laughs> but pancreatic cancer is kind of a big cliff. Yeah. I yeah. mean, is it not? I don't, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's not really the, the cliff, I would say. You know, it's more like, you know, um, like before I was saying about the abyss mm -hmm. and also about the making. So when you get like a, like a medical statement record, it says something, right? And uh, whether it is this or that, this uh, diagnosis or that diagnosis, then uh, inf it's actually, it's a fact. It's printed on, on a piece of paper. It's usually black and white. You know, maybe some blue ink from some kind of doctor who's had to sign it. <laughs> and, you know, uh, but what we do with this is uh, we make of a lot of things out of this. And that uh, making uh, is, you know, it, it can go in many different uh, um, directions. But uh, especially with the, the, the body situation, uh, there is a lot of making that, that, that uh, we used, used to do. And um, also, it's, there is also a lot of hidden things uh, beyond that. You know, you might, uh, like I, when I was in the hospital, I talked to a lot of these cancer patients, and uh, many of them had, very hard stories, uh, horrible stories. And with everyone, there is this kind of uh, making in there. 
maybe like oh, I want to spend this and this time with my family or when I see my kids growing up, I want to do this and that. I don't want to do that, right? And very often we don't grasp it. We don't grasp and see that we are making this. Mm -hmm. It's um, interesting uh, then also to see like sometimes we feel like we grasp a little bit of it and then we close down again. So we might, uh, you know, uh, we, we might have the feeling, ah, oh, I've seen that. I've seen that before. Uh, so it's this and this and this, right, that my mind's making. And already we're closing down. We're not open really to see what our mind's making at that very moment. Like one of, uh, of these uh, roommates that I had was interesting. Uh, he was lying next to me and he had the, the TV on, uh, then uh, he had the radio on, and also he was using his uh, smartphone uh, to play a game. <laughs> so three things, right? Yeah. And it was interesting. Like, and I thought, and I thought okay, now it's we were three people in that room, mm -hmm. um, and, and I was thinking, uh, you know, it's now it's getting late. It was like. 10, 15, so I'll, I'll wait a little longer and then we, he will probably notice, right? But he, he was constantly trying to uh, distract, mm -hmm. dis distract himself from that. So at a certain point, then we kind of said, okay, it's late. Maybe you want to use my earphones or, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but this, this is kind of, uh, very close to our life situation too is that we want to distract ourselves like we might come home from a busy day and uh and then you know we switch on the television drink a glass of wine or a whiskey uh you know or eat three pizzas uh so kind of like get away from that also here now at the lockdown phase if we've, we we kind of like may, some people might feel lonely or uh depressed and that so so we're using different um uh, things to distract us to just to prevent us from being with that very moment mm -hmm. But if we don't uh, make anything and, and don't try constantly to distract us, then um, it's, not, it's not a problem, you know, quote unquote. I mean, there is still like um, a lot of, uh, uh, the, with the body situations, you know, like there might be some pain or there might be uh, other construction sites you need to work on. It doesn't mean like you, you don't work on that, right? Just, uh, of course, you go to the doctors and you know and, uh, do treatments and and all that. But if, if it's possible to to not make anything, then it's not a not not a problem. It kind of like uh, it it loses its um, its sharp edge. Mm -hmm. It's still there, but it doesn't cut as deep. 
What do you say to people who've come to you and and they say, well, I just don't know how to make having cancer not a problem? Like it just, it sounds like, hey, <laughs> don't make anything and then yeah. it's not a problem. And they're like, what are you talking about? My cells are trying to kill me. That's uh, right. It's you know, very likely is somebody who's listening to this right now who has cancer. Mm -hmm. And it may feel very much like a problem. Yeah. And they may not know how to not make. Or like, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Ian. <laughs> yes. That's how you not make problems. <laughs> <laughs> so, but to explain a little more, uh, you know, from the hospital and the, the patients I talk to, uh, yeah, and there, there, everybody has their own story, and there is nobody uh, outside yourself who can mm -hmm. tell you not to make, because that would be already a make, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what we do during Zen practice. Right. Uh, it's that letting go. And yeah, I totally understand uh, uh, this, this, uh, this problematic uh, approach and, and the suffering that comes along with it. It's not, it's not fun. It's not, it's not a joke. Um, but the not making is the only thing that really helps. The only thing, in my experience, is, is like, you know, um, there is many, especially with this, there is a lot of like, uh, you know, uh, different approaches, how you, you may train your mind to overcome this and do this kind of thinking and do this kind of meditation practice. And that, uh, for me, the only thing that really helped me was and is, there is, is that not making really. That doesn't mean, like, as, as I said, this. Uh, diagnosis, you know, it probably won't change, you know, but you don't, you don't put any more legs on that snake. You don't put any more horns on that rabbit. So, you know, that exchange that you and I just had, the sort of Ian and um, me responding is, you know, part of that is, there's a Kung An that's very similar to that. And, um, and I guess what I got out of that when I, you know, when we had that exchange is, well, it really did bring me right into the moment of this conversation with you and I, and then it, the whole thing that I was like, what is it like? How do you not make like it all kind of disappeared? And I guess that's the point of the training in so many ways. You know, even as these big 
what 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 we make as big yeah right as they arise in our lives because you know going to going to the grocery store with a mask on is feels different than pancreatic cancer yeah um exactly but you know we i need groceries so i go and i put on my mask and yeah you need to see a doctor so you go to the hospital exactly Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How are students responding to this? Your changing body situation, or your your not changing body situation? Because I guess everybody's everybody's in a changing body situation. But like, uh, how how are students responding, or how are other teachers, and how are like, you know, my experience as a minister, right, is that when somebody gets sick, uh sometimes the person who's sick or you know having a body situation is uh they're actually the person i have to sit with the least <laughs> or not you know not with the least but you know i sit with them but then i have to go sit with their family and the family is in an incredible amount of anxiety mm. uh, and sometimes it's, it's so fascinating the person who is with the body situation has to almost do chaplaincy work for their family you know and it's such a curious thing yeah yeah but here you are you're the teacher of the vienna zen center and the people have been coming to you for a long time and they you know yeah how how has your body situation arisen i guess in this in the sangha if that makes mm. sense as a question yeah 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 it makes sense yeah um well and and i also uh, yeah i experience that too that you know especially with uh family and close friends and then uh this became, can become kind of uh, uh a situation right um but uh, what i experienced was really uh with the sangha was really uh incredible actually not only with the vienna sangha but the worldwide sangha there was so much support and so much like help and chanting and uh, lots of emails from friends from practitioners uh, you know people people lots of, of people I, I i've never met and they just they were just writing to me say, ah, I wish you all the best and good luck for, for the operation and this and this and that. So um, incredible support and um, yeah, I, that really uh, that was wonderful to see. So it kind of like re reminds me on um, one of these um, story that I, I just recently uh, read uh, it, it's uh, that's a scientific uh, story it's a it's a, a german um, uh, scientist who kind of like uh, studies uh, woods and uh, what he's saying is uh, that these these woods are like one big entity mm -hmm. it's not like each tree is 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 uh 
is separate, but um, as, uh, especially if, like if it's uh, the the same kind of like he was talking. Uh, I think the English word is beach. Uh, this this sort of of wood, and he was saying like uh, uh, sometimes these old trees they 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 become sick, and uh, and you would think they will die fast but he he discovered that the kind of uh, the trees around this sick tree the trees around they they support that sick tree with uh, with food and uh, and uh, sugar and nutrients you know so that so that this sick tree can uh, can survive because he was saying like it's a little bit like the trees they know if well, if one of these uh, trees get old and sick and die then the wind will go in there and uh, will hurt the forest or the sun will dry out the forest uh, uh, ground and such so uh, that's what was his conclusion but i found that story really wonderful it's it's such an uh, a good way to describe the sangha but we are we are really connected right and sometimes you know one one of these trees get get uh, sick and then we support and then another time somebody else and then they so we support each other so yeah i found that really wonderful and that that was uh, incredible to to experience during that time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit, Breathe, Bow. I hope you found the conversation with Knud Rosenmeier, Gita Popesneem, encouraging and helpful for your practice. You can find out more by visiting the website for the Vienna Zen Center at zen-meditation.vien. That's W-I-E-N. And those of you who are dealing with health situation of some kind or maybe just a big situation, Knud also offers uh, the opportunity to just reach out to him if you are so inclined. His email is knud, K-N-U-D dot Rosenmeyer, R-O-S-E-N-M-A-Y-R at gmail.com. And I'll include a link to the Zen Center and to his email in the show notes. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Quantum Online Sangha. Listeners of Sit, Breathe, Bow are invited to try a free month of training with the Online Sangha. To access your free month, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free trial membership button on the homepage. And please consider subscribing and leaving a review of this podcast. It helps introduce us to new listeners. I am your host, Ian Whitemar, and I hope you'll join me again next week.